Welcome to the K-Hole. People are dying. My name's Ashley Brandt, and joining me this week is my friend and yours, Sandra DeAnda. What's Gucci, guys? <laughs> you are a long time keeping up with the Kardashians fan. Uh-huh. That's uh, true. Local Portland comedian, can mm-hmm. I say that? Yeah, comedian, connoisseur of culture of sorts. <laughs> and you are here to talk about... Uh, Season 13, Episode 7, and Episode 8, entitled The X-Files and Guilt Trip. Mm-hmm, hmm But before we get into that, we have quite a bit of IRL news to cover, all mostly related to the Met Gala, which happened last weekend. Um, the Kardashian family has been something of a fixture at the Met Gala for the past few years, specifically Kim and Kanye. This year, Kim attended alone in a really understated Vivian Westwood piece that I liked, but I don't think really spoke to the theme. But at the same time, she has really been maligned for the risks that she has taken at the Met Gala in past years. She reported that Kanye was at home with the kids, enjoying some time off. I hope he continues to enjoy his time off. Kylie attended in Versace on the arm of Donatella Versace, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Kendall was wearing this amazing La Perla getup. That was very reminiscent of Rose McGowan's iconic, like, bare-assed dress look from, like, the MTV Movie Awards in the 90s. It's like, if you Google Rose McGowan, you will find those photos. Yeah. Um, In addition, Kendall was spotted with ASAP Rocky throughout uh, the Met Gala. They took a lot of pictures together in pictures where she was kind of, you know, casually hanging. He was kind of on her arm. Um... We've talked about Kendall a lot before. I could not tell you whether this relationship is platonic, romantic, or none of the above, but it certainly seems like there are some assumptions that we are supposed to be making about their relationship Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at this time. Um, Assumptions that we are invited to make based on the way that they were posing for photos together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Kylie's new squeeze, Travis Scott, did not attend the Met Gala, but... She has been spotted in Houston, where Travis Scott is from, and they are currently, I don't know, they're somewhere else right now. They're doing that thing where, like, they're in a new celebrity relationship and they're traveling together, which we've talked about on this show before, and I personally find super weird. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, traveling with someone you just started dating, like, a few weeks ago? (laughs) Like, we don't even travel as friends, like... (laughs) I could not travel with a stranger like that. It's so stressful. Because also, like, what if you discover you don't like that person and you're on a trip with them? That's why The Bachelor's such a fraud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. I would love to see a reality show about that. Just, like, new celebrity relationships. No one would ever do that because it would be a PR disaster. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that would be really fun. Um... For those of you who are not familiar, Travis Scott is a much more age-appropriate partner for Kylie. He's 25. She's 19 going on 20. So that puts him just two years younger than Tyga, but he didn't meet Kylie when she was 14. Mm -hmm. So already, this is something we can feel much better about. (laughs) Um, So kudos to her for finally shedding Tyga. I hope we never hear from him again. (laughs) Speaking of age-appropriate boyfriends, Courtney is apparently dating a 23-year-old male model. Good for her. Yeah. (laughs) Way better than Scott. (laughs) Um, and debuting in Kardashian merch in the past two weeks, we've had Caitlyn's book, which is discussed in these episodes, as well as Kim and Kanye's, um, kind of much buzzed about kids line, Mm -hmm. uh, called Kids Supply. Kim has been tweeting a lot about it. She tweeted that Kanye drew the logo himself for their line, um... And she's doing a lot of the promo because Kanye has deleted his Instagram and his Twitter account Mm. in the past few weeks, which is an odd choice. Mm -hmm. Um, It certainly is not going to go unnoticed. Um, I do wonder if that's his choice or if that's a publicist choice. Um, I think that ultimately this will probably be good for his public image in the long term, but it definitely invites a lot of questioning into the reasoning behind that decision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But he and Kim have been spotted, you know, out and about for dinner in LA. 
Um, we know that they want to be photographed when they're out and about because mm-hmm. they do go to spots where paparazzi are. And you can pretty easily contrast that to the period where Kim was out of the spotlight and there were no paparazzi photos taken of her and Kanye. So yeah. we know that they're choosing to be um, seen together and be photographed together, um, which is probably, you know, it is a, a publicity strategy for um, ensuring, assuring the public that, you know, Kanye is well and that their marriage is well. Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is important for their brand. Um, and that's about it for IRL news for now. Let's get into these episodes because these are some of the most interesting episodes we've seen this season so far yeah. amongst quite a series of of duds aside from the Paris episode. Yeah, definitely. So the first episode we're going to be talking about is called The X-Files, which mm-hmm. refers to... Um, I don't know why they didn't name it Xbox, because they keep talking about but, having Xboxes. Yeah. Do you want to explain what those are, Sandra? Um, okay, so the Xboxes are um, these boxes that the Kar- that the Kardashian sisters have made in which they compile all of these, like, um, artifacts of, like, failed relationships. Um, and so they just, like, have pictures, like, little trinkets. Um, I mean, it's very... I mean, kind of like I feel like maybe a lot of us have those things, but maybe not in not called an Xbox. Um, and so, yeah, that's what that is. It kind of like puts memories in a box. Um, it's kind of romantic, kind of cliche, but yeah, that's what I think the Xbox is. And it's the whole plot behind the Xbox is that. Courtney and Kim have Xboxes, mm-hmm. and they do bring those out and show them to um, Chloe, mm-hmm. who is considering getting rid of her wedding photos yeah. from her wedding to Lamar. Um, and Chloe or uh, Courtney and Kim's argument is that Chloe should have an Xbox of her own for mm-hmm. those special memories. Yeah, I do think it's interesting that the exes that Courtney and Kim talk about are very different exes from the type of ex that Chloe is talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Courtney has stuff from Scott, who's still in her life and is the father of her children, Mm -hmm. as well as a nameless boyfriend who kind of ends up being the punchline of a joke when they start reading his letter out loud. Yeah. And then um, Kim references Chris Humphreys, Mm -hmm. and I found that really funny because she had to specify his last name (laughs) as if, like, people wouldn't just know, and they really might not because he's a nobody. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um... But when she opens up the box, it has a bunch of um, artifacts from Tito Jackson. Not Tito Jackson. TJ Jackson, Mm -hmm. who is Tito's son or nephew? Not sure. So this was Kim's high school relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find photos of them going to prom together online. Um, I think this gets talked about a lot. It's like a Kim Kardashian fun fact that she was like kind of an honorary member of the Jackson family when she Mm -hmm. was younger. Um, but there are no mementos from her first marriage mm-hmm. uh, to Damon Thomas, and there are no mementos from her relationship with Reggie Bush, Ooh, yeah. which was not even mentioned. That's right. So these are very different relationships than the one that Chloe is talking about mm-hmm. with Lamar, which I think have a lot of very painful memories that Chloe is still very, very close to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this opens up two other plots. Mm-hmm. revolving around exes the b plot being chris and caitlin mm-hmm. who meet up for some facials and the big ticket item which is rob and china who may or may not be exes i'm yeah. not keeping up with that and i don't think anyone is <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you want to tell us a little bit more about the a plot sandra um i guess uh rob and china so um they i guess they've had their what's their baby's name dream dream um and it seems to be like um that i don't know it's kind of strange like rob has these moments of certainty where he's like yeah everything is going well with uh china and i think we're being really good parents la di da but then like he sends out these snaps snap stories or like Instagram things. Yeah, this is specifically 
starting at, and I think ex- the time period kind of extends a little far beyond, um, Rob's snap story from right before Christmas when China very suddenly moved out of the house that mm-hmm. she was sharing with Rob, which had been rented to them by Kylie, who makes one single appearance in this episode. Yeah. And I do want to talk about that because she is incredibly wooden. Yeah, definitely. And um, so, yeah, and he's kind of, I don't know, I guess, like, the family might be, like, thinking he's making a mockery of himself by being so, like, vulnerable mm-hmm. on, on like, Snapchat and all of mm-hmm. these uh, forms of media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are just kind of seeing this as a weakness for him. And uh, for, I, a lot of people have, a lot of the Kardashians have cr- uh, critiques of the relationships because they think that, it's China that's kind of being like the violent figure, the one who's like calling all the shots, the one kind of submerging Rob. And I think like watching it, I was like, wow, the Kardashians, like perhaps they're probably scared of this very like, like powerful female figure Mm -hmm. and to like submerge like Rob and to make Rob be seem weak. It's like, kind of like a hit to the Kardashians and their brand. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of um, the discussion of their relationship revolves around Robin China season two, mm-hmm. which they are supposed to start filming. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly Robin China are back together. We see them do a club appearance together. I believe as we're recording this now in May of 2017, they're back together again. Mm-hmm. Um after another period of separation. Um, but the the discussion really goes from should this relationship continue, which is the kind of plot line we've been hearing for the past year, to should the show continue. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the most interesting aspect Definitely. of um, this entire episode. And it does, in a certain sense, kind of permeate the other discussions of ex-partners and what what they mean to um these public images and what they mean to these Mm -hmm, mm storylines um and they call this family meeting slash executive producer meeting at like a banquet room in Mm -hmm. a steakhouse yeah and everyone's there yeah except rob but it is like everyone's got their executive producer hats on like courtney kim chloe chris Corey's there mm-hmm. you know I don't know why he doesn't have any power in this situation yeah. um and then Kylie and Kendall are also there and the question that they are asking seemingly both as sisters and producers is should season two continue yeah yeah and it's um crazy because like the continuation of Robin China's second season to Rob or the way they perceive Rob taking it is that like a continuation of this show is a continuation of his relationship with China mm-hmm. and like the, that the only way to salvage it like is through reality TV mm-hmm. and not actually through reality mm-hmm. and so it's like and what it's interesting because what Courtney says and her having you know the most public relationship and most public falling out on the show out mm-hmm. of everyone involved is that the show in a certain way does force you to or facilitate you to work through these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you do have to be in proximity to each other yeah yeah that's that's very that's very interesting that you, you that you brought that up because i mean yeah it could be it could be one or the other it could be like very disastrous like kind of like a Britney K-Fed type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, yeah, it does make you face these problems head on. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's such an artificial type of like pressure. Because like mm-hmm. once the second season ends, it's like, okay, the same conversation will be had about a third season. Mm-hmm. And like, and along the way, they have to continue to manufacture conflict to create storylines to keep the show interesting exactly yeah so it's like a dangerous i mean yeah i think kendall's very skeptical Mm -hmm. of uh a second season of robin china she's i think it's very strange because she's 
She really has a grasp on the absurdity of the situation. Yeah, exactly. She definitely does. But that definitely stands in contrast to, um, you know, the big four names, the big four executive producers in the room, which are Chris, Courtney, Kim, and Chloe. Mm -hmm. Chloe, we know, is just being kind of disparaging and passive-aggressive towards China, so I don't really care for her opinion in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the opinion of... Courtney and Kim seems to be that this is a job, this is a commitment, this could be good for Rob. And Chris's point really is that the show gets Rob out of bed and gets him out of the house, which had not been the case for years. That's true. This is true. Yeah, I remember Rob being like, yeah, like I get up and I exercise and I get my ducks in a row because I have to shoot the show. But... Yeah, I mean, there's just something so conflicting. And at the same time, like, he was so absent from so much of season one. Mm-hmm. Like, the storyline was Rob won't show up to filming. Rob won't take care of himself. Yeah. So I don't know if, like, he is making some strides that are, like, maybe difficult for us to perceive as viewers who are not familiar with the way he really is off camera. Mm-hmm. Or if this is really just a story that Chris is telling herself as, you know, the person taking 10% off the top. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so it's also um, an investment for the, for the for the watch for like the viewer because they're like, okay, is he gonna be doing the same thing? Is he gonna like? Is it gonna be mostly China being like, hey, Rob, are you gonna go to this appearance? Are you gonna not gonna show up? Like, what will the viewer gain if it does end up being very similar to season one? Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of repeat storylines over the past 13 seasons. We're going to talk about more of them when we talk about um, the next episode and the trip to Dubai and Mm -hmm. kind of what happens with Courtney and Scott's relationship. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is, you know, there is a question of what approach are they taking in this scene? Are they sisters or are they producers? And I really think it's Mm -hmm. both. And I think that this scene was not shot without a sense of self-awareness. Like, this isn't a real conversation, and we all know that. There are other executive producers that would have been involved in a real version of this conversation mm-hmm. that took place behind the scenes. Like, yeah. where is Ryan Seacrest? Where is, where is anyone from E? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a microcosm of that conversation, but it is pasted onto um, this image of family that they keep trying to sell us and it works it 100% works and I found this conversation really compelling um they represented all of these different points of view very well but you know I don't think it's just very interesting the way that this episode has been written about because I think that um it shows a lot of sophistication and a lot of self-awareness that people are not readily ascribing to the staging here yeah definitely and um yeah watch watching that uh i guess like one crazy thing that um was said was about how this is also their job like how this is how they this is how they make money Mm -hmm. um so yeah they're being like creative collaborators but they're also being sisters but then, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like their job. And so it's yeah, it, it all gets so intermingled. Um, and I thought that's that's why it was so crazy. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, why would Scott agree to continue to appear on the show mm-hmm. and continue to play this villain if he wasn't getting something out of it? And exactly. I think that, you know, as one of the main cast at this point he's cashing out a pretty good paycheck that's Mm -hmm. gonna support his family yeah yeah that's right and i mean later on we'll be talking about the the uh the other episode in which like we see we see the type of like the way he his character is made um and like shown to be this villain and it's like whoa it's like is the money really worth it? But it's like obviously worth it, but it's like, whoa, at the cost of like you seeming like a douchebag. Yeah, the cost of his public image. But 
that plays into a lot of, and we're going to get into this so much more, a lot of what um, Spencer Pratt talked about, Mm -hmm. um, giving more current interviews about his appearances on um, The Hills. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we're going to talk about that more, but the interviews that he has given, you know, he's basically said he's willing to would have been willing to go the extra mile and do more villainous plots and make himself look even worse to continue the show, to continue the paycheck, to continue, you know, capitalizing on his name and the brand that he was building. Yeah. And like I said, that's really for the next episode, but Mm -hmm. sort of the conclusion that we come to at the end of this season or this, this episode, when they do finally loop Rob in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's saying that their relationship, his relationship with China is fine it doesn't seem fine you know there's not much more to be said at this time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know courtney proposes that maybe some limitations could be set and you know the show would continue to shoot as long as rob attended therapy yeah yeah and then towards the end of that episode when everyone's being super critical at rob he's like wait but guys you guys have also like messed up like you guys are lecturing me but you guys have not had like you like you know kim got divorced in a couple months like he called them all out but at the same time i think that they were in so much more control of those situations both in their personal lives and Mm -hmm. in their professional lives yeah so and and yeah and that's also crazy because like yeah once they've had it and like you know like once uh kim could no longer be with uh chris humphrey or whatever like Though it was such a short marriage, like, she called the shots and, like, Mm -hmm. she's the one who ended it. This would really be, like, Kim trying to reconcile with Chris Humphreys and then doing a spinoff show with him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, and he's, like, calling them out, but then it's, like, they're, like, they're in control of the show and they're in control of, like, of their lives and then even, like, in in relation to, like, the Xboxes, like, they're in control of, like, what is in the margins of their lives. Yeah. And so, like, if, and Rob doesn't have that. Rob is just being, no. like, like stringed along, basically. Yeah. He's really not compartmentalizing in the way that the sisters are. Yeah. And in the way that Chris has done for so much of her life, which is why when she's confronted with Caitlin's memoir, you know, Chris just has another Caitlyn-centric meltdown, as mm-hmm. she is wont to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you, could you speak more about that? Yeah, about so that this was, um, this storyline kind of started earlier in the episode with the idea that Chris and Caitlyn are sort of reigniting a friendship now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're inviting, they're giving each other these, like, semi-hollow invitations to come over i think caitlin's being very very genuine yeah i don't think chris is but Mm. she's trying um Mm -hmm. which sort of counts for something here they get these facials together they talk about kind of caitlin um prior to her transition and some of like her um sort of methods of dealing with gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. stealing uh, chris's makeup stuff like that and the whole time caitlin is also talking about the fact that she's finished her book She's signing copies of her book. Her book is coming out. Her book just dropped last week. So Mm -hmm. that timing was not coincidental at all. Yeah. But she drops off the book for Chris. um, And Chris reads it and once again has a complete meltdown because she feels like Caitlin is misrepresenting her. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, the thing is, they, the show and its editing of the show never gives us an idea of, like, what exactly Chris takes issue with. And I don't know if that's because they want us to go buy her book mm-hmm. and read about mm-hmm. it, or because maybe there's not enough material to kind of present that argument. You know, we're supposed to kind of take Chris at her word, mm-hmm. and uh, once again, the sisters all line up to take Chris's side. And, you know, we've said this so many times, but I find it so hard to um, feel sympathy for Chris because for so long, Caitlin was the butt of every joke on this show. Mm-hmm. And Chris's kind of neglect towards Caitlin was a huge, like, perennial plot line yeah, on the series. Yeah, definitely. And then this is just, like, another form of that mockery. Um, like, 
when Caitlyn was Bruce, like, Bruce was always such a, like, he was kind of alienated and he was strange. And, like, when you had special moments with Bruce, like, that was so cool because they were rare. And then, like, now that's kind of happening with Kay- with um, Caitlyn's persona where, like, when people are like, oh, my God, I had, like, such a great conversation with Caitlyn. And it's like, why is that such a rarity? It's like she... She's, She's being, first of all desperate for people to come yeah. hang out with her and talk with her. Yeah. And it's just like it doesn't matter who Caitlyn is or was. Like Caitlyn will always be at yeah, the butt of the jokes no matter what. Mhm. Mhm. And I find it surprising that she continues to appear on this show and that Chris continues to facilitate this Mm -hmm. and i think in some sense they have to because they do they are invested in painting this picture of this harmonious um modern blended family Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and it would look better for chris and her image if she was more sympathetic to caitlin Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but at the same time like you know these plots never work out for Chris like who is making this decision is it part of Caitlin's deal with um her series is this part of the promotional package with E mm-hmm. um that they then leverage these appearances for you know I am Kate I don't know mm-hmm. but you know I think Caitlin needs to get a better stronger team of publicists for sure um because she has once again been forced into this villainous role that like doesn't really fit yeah and then that villainy like you had mentioned about like consumer consuming this book like the villainy is promoting this kind of like mystery for the book that she just came out with and so like the villainy of her is like it's kind of like tied up with like consumerism because it's like oh my god but like why is she a villain? Oh, wait, I don't know exactly why she's a villain, so I'd have to purchase that book. Mm-hmm. Like, if they didn't want people to read the book or if they didn't want the book to be in some way part of the narrative, there wouldn't be a plot line about it. I think it would be mentioned mm-hmm. because, again, they are living their public lives and they do have to sort of comment on these things and, like, use this show as a PR tool. Mm-hmm. But this could have been an offhand comment. Caitlin came out a book with a book. I don't agree with it blah 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 like Mm -hmm. the fact that it is a storyline you know is in a way a pitch Mm -hmm. yeah definitely like um definitely uh like garnered my interest and i was like why is it that like is this legitimate like are they is there really something of bad taste in that book but it's like yeah again like all like, bad, bad publicity is good publicity. It's very true. Um, I mean, this is not the last that we've heard. We will hear from Caitlin vis-a-vis her version of events versus Chris's version of events. Mm-hmm. This is not the last we're going to hear of Rob and China's relationship. Um, I don't think the door is ever going to be closed on, you know, Chloe and Lamar's life. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem like he is doing better. Um, but we do know that if he ever has a medical emergency, Chloe is the one who's authorized to make decisions for him. Like, mm-hmm. their relationship is going to continue, you know, off and on the show, I think. Um, but all of that brings us to Guilt Trip, mm-hmm. which um, picks up as Kim is resuming her public life. She's talking about her return to social media, those mm-hmm. beautiful, like, home videos she released... Um, and she's making her first big public appearance in Dubai for, um, a makeup masterclass with her makeup artist, Mario. Um, this is something that she's done before. Mm -hmm. Um, this is something I think that they will do again. This is very much part of her brand is kind of like lifting the veil on the performance of femininity. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I thought I thought this was this was one of the most like most compelling episodes besides the first episode in which she like curates 
kind of um, her her problems, um, her psychological issues after the robbery. Um, I would say this is like maybe my second favorite episode. Um, just because, yeah, it's super performative. Um, like I was telling you, it was so crazy that before she got on stage um, at... What, what, do you know the mall name or like where I don't, was it? I don't know. But yeah, it was like where, wherever it is that they had this like performative um, like makeup show. Um, she was like talking to somebody to one of the producers being like, I can never do, I can never be out. I can never do public um, appearances. appearances anymore. And she's like freaking out. Um, and that's such an intimate look. Um at her at her issues but then she gets she gets there she becomes this object of like beauty and she's being she's like reveling in all of the attention she's getting Mm -hmm. and then you kind of see her perk up like little by little and then she starts joking around with mario she starts joking around with the audience like she really like blossoms because she's like yeah like that's who she is she's Mm -hmm. meant to be in the limelight um and it was just crazy because a lot of the women who a lot of the women who uh, attended this event they were all wearing like headscarves and so she's like promoting beauty for them um and like they're interested in how she does beauty and so she's making this like western beauty or whatever like very accessible Mm-hmm. to these women in Dubai, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting that she only does this in Dubai, which is, like, also just an oddity in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that Dubai has become, like, this luxury city and this luxury, like, destination for celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk a lot about the hotel that they're staying in. There's, oh, like, yeah. that aquarium wall. Um We've just been to Dubai with them so many times. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Um, when when on Courtney and Kim take Miami or take New York, Kim went to do an interview in Dubai, um, and they cut together this interview that she did where someone was like, "Oh, how's your marriage?" And they like inserted this kind of false pause to make it look like Kim was really contemplating how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in that same season, they reshot um, some scenes to make them appear as though, you know, Chris and Kim were having a conversation mm-hmm. in this um, escalator or whatever while they were traveling in Dubai talking about Kim's marriage. I don't, Dubai is just often like this important sort of stage for um, Kim to kind of make changes in her life. I don't know why. Whoa. It's very interesting. Yeah, because. Dubai is a very, or the way they have shown, portrayed on the show, it's a very excessive place. Mm -hmm. It's a place to like... It's very insular too. Yeah, exactly. It's like very, it's like a controlled kind of excess. And so it's like, only in Dubai can you, uh, only in Dubai can, can you kind of like extend yourself and like, but at but at the same time, it's, like, so controlled. It's mm-hmm. so strange. Um, but, yeah, I was watching this with, with a friend. I was re-watching this with a friend yesterday. And it was just, like, wow. It's, like, so excessive the way they set up this table with just, like, food that they're probably going to eat, like, one thirtieth of. Mm-hmm. And then you see this guy swimming in the aquarium with, like, a Welcome Scott sign. And it's all just so, like, it's... I don't know. It's almost like madness could be cultivated because it's like an excess that is just like very controlled. And I think that's kind of what we see in this like performativity of the makeup with Kim because it's like so excessive. It's like, oh, my God, like you're watching like one of the most powerful women in the world get her makeup done. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like as the episode continues, this kind of controlled, like, sense of self becomes, like, kind of gets pushed to the edge because she's trying to stand for her sister and, like, protect her Mm -hmm. sister. Mm -hmm. 
And at the same time, Scott is sort of destabilizing in this way where, like, for instance, you know, when Kim is doing the appearance or beforehand, she says she could never do a book signing again because, you know, those are open events. Anyone Mm -hmm. can come to them. But it's also important, I think, to think that, you know, if she was doing a series of book signings, you know, that would be in a very different environment. That would be in a mall or a bookstore in a major city in America. Whereas this masterclass, like, these tickets are a $1,000. Everyone in this room is exceptionally wealthy. That's right. It's so controlled. And I think that choosing or staging Scott's kind of relapse... Um, in Dubai as opposed to Vegas, Miami, New York, um, another city like that, that the Kardashians have been to before but are, I think, less safe and less comfortable in, I think that's a very um, significant choice. Yeah, definitely. And within, yeah, within this episode, we see that the the main consumer of of culture and money and all of these things is a woman and the woman like even I think when there's the question answer sesh um at the at the makeup thing a young man's like hey like I came here for my mom like how would a older woman be able to like use your products and stuff like that and so the main consumer is a is the female within this like controlled like place Mm -hmm. which i thought was just like so crazy yeah i want to put a pin in that because we have so much more to talk about with Mm -hmm, the way mm -hmm. the dubai storylines unroll but i think we should get the c plot Mm -hmm, out of the mm -hmm, way first mm -hmm. because otherwise we're gonna forget it entirely yeah because it's just about the fact that caitlin built a barn for kendall's horses Mm -hmm. at her place in malibu and kendall hasn't brought her horse there um, so she's not hanging out with Caitlin and Caitlin is like, what do I need to do besides build you a barn to get you to come hang out with me? Yeah. Um, and what she really wants is for Kylie to come hang out with her and Kendall. Mm-hmm. Kylie, who we only previously see in, you know, one to two instances in the previous episode, you know, doing a photo shoot, talking heads, and then at the executive producer meeting. Um, Kylie doesn't even make an appearance in this episode. Caitlin does get her on the phone, but she's just sort of like, yeah, I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole storyline is that, you know, Caitlin's obsession with getting Kylie to come to Malibu is ruining Kendall and Caitlin's time together. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting, <laughs> um, that though, yeah, though Kylie's not present in the... And the episode, she is, like, the the thing that's being talked about the most. The mm-hmm. person, the concept that's, like, ruling their conversations. Even, like, when Caitlin apologizes to Ka- to, uh, to Kendall, Kendall, it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you've always been there for me when all these other people, I guess, Kylie included, you know, have not been present. Um and then at the same time, I wonder if if Caitlin possibly thinks that, like, she might get a lot more publicity from from Kylie. Um, and so I also wondered about that, too. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, Kendall and Kylie have such different careers, and they're both so successful, but they're so successful in completely different realms. Mm-hmm. I think that their fan base probably has a lot of overlap, but I think... Kylie is becoming such a household name mm-hmm. among a younger demographic. Definitely. Um, and I don't think Kendall wants that. But at the same time, like, I can see why, you know, in her own, you know, family, uh, family policy, not family policy, family politics and her own kind of microcosm of, like, the economy of attention in her family, Kendall mm-hmm. would feel overshadowed. Definitely. Yeah, and the the fan base, I I guess like Kendall's aesthetic um, is more like a sophisticated uh, aesthetic for I don't know older older consumers, kind of young adults. Yeah, young adults. But then, but then Kylie kind of treads on like being kind of an alternative, like um, very trendy, very, very trendy. of the moment. Yeah. Um, and they're in like the the perceptions of beauty, the way they're perceived as beauty is very different. Absolutely. It's so 
I don't polarizing almost. Although uh-huh. you know, obviously, I want to say they're very much in the wider demographic of beauty in the world. They're very much at the same end of the spectrum. But yeah. within the family, they kind of assume two extremes. Like you know, Kendall and Courtney are much more natural. Kylie. Mm-hmm. Kim and Chloe are much more augmented yeah. and are open about that to varying degrees. Yeah. It's also interesting because Kendall, while I don't think she's like very compelling, mm-hmm. like in her in the storylines that she is willing to participate in, like her screen presence is fine. Mm-hmm. Like she gave us a little bit of energy in the executive producer meeting from the last episode. She gave she us kind did. of something to work with. She's been much more present this season than past seasons but mm-hmm. kylie and her single talking heads was so wooden mm-hmm. one of my homes they're in one of my homes yeah and just talking in this very soft high-pitched voice mm-hmm. that sounded very forced yeah definitely and so in like taking that with within this episode kendall's very sentimental um and has always been kind of very sentimental and in, mm-hmm. in when she feels she's a certain a way yeah she just like says it she's like yeah like i'm tired of this and that and i want to be treated this way but yeah there's something much more reliable about kendall mm-hmm. um is what what i would say about this yeah um and this is just a continuation of the same storyline we're going to see for Caitlyn over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't like to blame Caitlyn for um, feeling lonely. I think that her family should be making more of an effort to um, stay in contact with her as she's, like, living her new life for sure. But at the same time, Caitlyn, if someone comes out to visit you and you're just upset that other people aren't there, that's not... <laughs> really gonna incentivize people to come hang out with you yeah exactly exactly so there's a lesson to be learned there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but this is very separate from the storyline that's going on in dubai Mm -hmm. because we get through the makeup class it's sort of like okay kim's back she's good i'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about paris as the season goes on but this is a sharp turn from kim being at home to kim's back in the public eye Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Um, and accompanying them on this trip is Scott and throughout the season, especially in the previously on segment that kind of introduced this episode, they've been talking about Courtney and Scott's relationship, the fact that they went to Mexico together, the fact that they're co-parenting together, the fact that Scott is quote unquote doing better. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really interested in the fact that they kind of introduced this episode by, you know, including this clip of Kim saying, you know, she's pro Scott and Courtney getting back together. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately, Kim sort of breaks character in this final scene. You know, Definitely. now she's so much more composed um, mm-hmm. on camera than she had been at the beginning of the series when we saw her, you know, hitting Chloe with a handbag and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um Do you want to talk a little bit more about this storyline and what Scott's going through? Yeah. So, basically, Scott has this kind of, like, false expectation that, like, he's taking all the steps one should take in order to, like, basically get corny back. So, he's kind of just living in this, like, fantastical, like, place where Kim is kind of, like helping him romanticize this end Mm -hmm. um and i think it's also important that the open episode the episode opens with this conversation from a previous episode where kim had said okay but theoretically scott you are free to like see other people Mm -hmm. at this time and he says oh yeah technically i can so that rule is established yeah but then seemingly ignored anyway yeah and, uh, and Kim also says that Rob is not doing this for Courtney. Rob is doing... No, Scott. no. Scott. Scott. <laughs> Little brother you <know>. sister incest. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, um, that Scott is not doing this for Courtney, that Scott is actually doing this for himself, and, mm-hmm. like, he wants to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's crazy because you see this, like, you see his family, you see Scott, like, Kim, actually, like, the kingpin, 
you know, she's being like, yeah, I'm like totally for you guys. And it sets the expectation that like he will like maybe at he there are chances that he will prevail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we see that uh, he finds out that Courtney showed up to the was it the gala with somebody? No, or I think Dubai? she was just she was just out and about with yeah, the guy. With I think somebody. maybe the guy the, that they're reporting on now. I'm mm, not sure. Yeah. And so there's like a lot of a lot of that going on. Um, and then I think at one of the when he showed up for his uh, shoot in Dubai for his, that candy shoppers. Yeah, he was doing a public appearance. A public appearance. Um, even I don't know who was a friend of his. Chris Rita like, probably. Yeah, he was he was like, Hey man, I'm so sorry, like uh and it's almost like shaming his masculinity, being like, Hey, like I'm so sorry that like you couldn't you took all these steps to like try to get this woman, but you failed. Like mm-hmm. she has moved on. And mm-hmm. so it gets like yeah, it gets like much more intense when 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 it becomes a real thing when somebody voices it. Yeah. And then that's when he like loses it and then i guess calls in either flies in somebody a a girl to his place no that's coming up in the next episode Ah. when they're in costa rica he flies in a girl but he seems to meet up with a girl Mm -hmm. in dubai Mm -hmm. and the next morning when kim is kind of gathering everyone to go on this fun trip especially because she's feeling bad for scott Mm -hmm. um because you know he's upset about courtney being out with someone else yeah um they find a purse and they find evidence that there is a girl in the hotel room mm-hmm. and detective Kim Kardashian <laughs> yes. sets out to find her. Yeah. And the way she does it is so crazy because she uses the excessiveness of that hotel being like, oh, my God, we want to check out your aquarium. Mm-hmm. We want to look at these little trinkets around the hotel. Mm-hmm. And she's really utilizing her space. that space and what it's meant to do to entertain Mm -hmm. and then she's using it to eventually find the truth and find out you know where this woman is Mm -hmm. um and i want to say like i love detective kim kardashian i relate to her nosiness Mm -hmm. and her desire to find things out so much it's like one of my favorite underutilized Mm -hmm. um aspects about her character on the show and her as a person i feel like she's really into true crime and i'd love to talk to her about that (laughs) but you know when she finds this woman there is this very strange scene that i think ultimately is a misstep for the show and for her image where she just goes off on this girl in the bathroom and calls her a whore calls her a groupie Mm -hmm. she slut slut shames this woman who they've already established you know, Scott is free to see other people. Courtney is seeing other people. Yeah. You know, um, and these are conversations that Kim has had with Scott. And even if Scott was cheating on Courtney or doing something he was not supposed to be doing, that's Scott ruining his relationship. And that woman has no, you know, bearing on Scott's actions. You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah. ultimately independent of that situation and has no idea the context of what's going on with Scott and his familial relationships and you cannot blame the other woman for a man's behavior in his relationships exactly um yeah and it's crazy it's almost so the first episode of this season felt to me like a modern horror film Mm -hmm. or like a documentary or something and this the hunt for that woman was horrific to me it was like like it's like Kim knows she's gonna find her Mm -hmm. that's the thing it's like you see the predator like kind of figure out where she's gonna be like and then there's this moment where she's about to turn the corner out of stairs and she's like we're gonna find that whore or something like that Mm -hmm. and you know that she that she's gonna be successful um because it's like a locked place Mm -hmm. and when she finally finds her really building it up yeah exactly and it's just like when she finally finds her um yeah she just like loses it and we never see uh the woman we see maybe a little part of it of her silhouette but that's about it yeah it was shot in a very similar way to paris 
um, you know, kind of a shaky cam thing. Mm -hmm, there were a mm -hmm. lot of shots of people's feet as though they hadn't really, you know, set up to film these areas. But yeah, yeah, I am really torn on how much of that was actually staged and how much of that was real. Do you know what I mean? Are yeah. they trying to make it look heat of the moment and genuine and organic? Or, I mean, I want to say it can't really have been shot that way. So I guess the question, or, it, you know, it can't really have been kind of what we're seeing on this show. Um, so the question is, like, to what degree is it staged? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because that woman just stands slightly out of shot uh -huh. as though, you know, she's been given... Ooh. Um, as though she's been given that di like stage direction uh -huh. to create more of an aura of mystery and to allow Kim to really have the spotlight in that moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking... And also, sorry, mm -hmm. I don't mean to interrupt, but they say that the bathroom is locked. They say this repeatedly. You know, Kim's like, I know the girl's in there. The bathroom is locked. Like, mm -hmm. that's the only place she can be. But then when Kim goes down there... You know, she just busts in. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think she broke down the door with brute force. Yeah. You know, did that girl unlock the door and think that everyone had left? I don't think so, because Kim is, like, calling down the stairs mm -hmm, that she's mm -hmm. going to find this girl. Yeah. Um, you know, that, to me, really indicates that this scene was staged in some way. Definitely. Yeah, and, and the, the, the silhouette that we get of the woman, she's just, like, standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like no, s yeah, and and I guess I don't know. I thought about like what it is, even though it is manufactured, like what it is that they had to do in order for her to like pose that way. Mm -hmm. um, like she's dealing with the one of the most powerful families in the world, mm -hmm. who would probably cut her head if they wanted to, or like you know that's just they gross could, hyperbole. They could really like slander her. In they the could press. vary. They could do that exactly. And so it's like, how, what was she willing, what was this woman willing to give up in order to give them this shot? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, her face is blurred out. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I thought about, about that and um, about how, like, Kim is kind of regaining her power, but she has to dominate another woman mm -hmm. or she has to, like... Which is not the brand that she's grown into and is currently capitalizing on exactly um because like among among her sisters she's an equal but here she yeah she goes berserk and like starts screaming at her and like kind of like i don't know just being like dominating in like this jungle and this like mm -hmm. very it's very kind of animalistic mm -hmm. yeah in a very primal way and being like yeah like if I call the shots like I I've always called the shots and I've been like on the DL but like now I'm back mm -hmm. and I do want to say like I think Kim is probably you know in the previous scenes we see her um and it's kind of suggested that she's most upset about Scott relapsing and drinking mm -hmm. which I don't want to say is an excuse by any means but they are setting up kind of that narrative for why Kim is so upset about what Scott is doing mm-hmm um, but again, like he's back in the same position. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just very Spencer Pratt. Like, you know, yeah. he wants the show to continue. He wants to keep getting a paycheck. He doesn't have a real job. No one knows where his money is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is how he's providing for his children. Yeah. And I think he, um, as a character on this show has always pushed the envelope in terms mm -hmm. of villainy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would be so interested to see him and Spencer Pratt in conversation together. <laughs> like like talking about their techniques. And yeah, like, like interviewing each other. I would, would be so love crazy. that. Oh my God, that would be amazing. That would be, yeah, such insight into like what people are willing to do for money, but also like how they build their their own brand like yeah. that's so crazy yeah um but yeah be, because kim in this episode called this woman derogatory terms 
but they're all based in like this woman's sexuality or like mm-hmm. what she can provide as a sex as a sexual being mm-hmm. which was just like i mean like heart-wrenching for me just because i was like wow it was so sick that she was like doing that makeup uh tutorial thing with all of these women and like empowering them and her being empowered by them but then to like see this moment at the end was just like it just just kind of made me sad yeah it's very like transparently hypocritical and i'm just like flabbergasted by the way it was cut together like who thought this was a good idea you know yeah um and you really just have to ask those questions when you're viewing this show like we've already said you know this was absolutely out of line and no woman should call um another woman these names absolutely but what's so like intriguing to me is like what is the thought process here Mm -hmm. um you know is there this feeling that Kim has some sort of moral high ground that we as the viewer and as her fan base are going to excuse her because she's protecting her sister? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, are we really going to see a difference between Kim and this woman? Like, Kim calls this woman a groupie. Kim is a groupie. Mm-hmm. Kim is absolutely a groupie. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the identification of herself with this other woman that it's like, yeah, this is kind of like we're like this is who I am and I'm seeing you like a weaker version of myself and but I'm gonna conquer this like other self yeah I don't think the show is gonna go there like that is really interesting to me and is probably something I would really love to see the show explore but I just Mm -hmm. don't think the show is gonna go there because they're building Kim back up you know Mm -hmm. she's conquered her you know social anxiety in front of the public Mm -hmm. she's um you know giving really good balanced advice on like the Robin China situation and on kind of Courtney and Scott prior to this moment like there's no way that they're going to kind of penetrate this public image um that they've kind of rebuilt of her especially because you know, Kanye's not in public right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that that, you know, his kind of break from the public eye is a big vulnerable spot for her because mm-hmm. their relationship and the success of their relationship is so important to her brand. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and yeah, I can't help but think, like, when they were editing this, they're like, yes, this is it. Like, this is where we want to, like, leave our cliffhanger at like Kim losing it um and Kim yeah like degrading another woman like I don't know like yeah and it's not as though this show has a very good history of like pay off for the moments that they build up to Mm -hmm. like so many times the resolution is Mm anticlimactic and I really easily could have seen this episode ending with like the door is locked I guess we gotta go like Mm-hmm. You know, I think we know what happened, but we're never going to know for sure. Whatever. Like, that kind of non-ending ending fits with the way this show is often edited. So, I can't see why, you know, a producer would push for this kind of explosive drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then going back to talking about, like, the woman being dominant of space... Like, she she is in uh, Scott's uh, suite or whatever, and he has no power over what's going to go down. No. it's I did find the uh, inclusion of one kind of non-Kardashian producer interesting. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That girl, I think her face is blurred out, too, or we only see her from behind, but she's the one that Scott confides in, and yeah. she... Um, I think is trying to act on Scott's behalf and in Scott's interest and in kind of trying to like hurt everyone away from this situation, yeah, yeah. which is maybe supposed to like signal to us that this isn't staged. But again, like I find it hard to believe that this is not staged to a significant extent. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that to say, like, this is just a microcosm of what we're going to see in the next two episodes when the family goes to Costa Rica, another two part vacation episode. And mm-hmm. we know Scott's going to bring a girl to Costa Rica. This has already been reported on in the news. Um, this is included in the teasers for the next two episodes. Uh-huh. So, you know, 
we're gonna see this again and mm-hmm. i will be curious to see if kim's reaction is the same yes yeah definitely and um yeah i also just can't wait to see like what courtney's response to all of this is just because she seemed kind of like i'm over it like he's not my problem anymore yeah well and also like scott thinks that four months of sobriety is like the consistency that courtney is looking for (laughs) when courtney has known him for 10 years yeah you know um scott's idea of what consistency is i think is very different from courtney's and she has like a boy toy now so Mm -hmm. you know she's moving on with her life yeah definitely but let's move on to power rankings this was a challenge this week because that last scene really shook up kind Mm -hmm. of our usual approach to these things Mm -hmm. so i'll just start us off at the bottom no surprise there rob is coming in last again rob does not have a good grip on his public image his relationship his lack of executive producer credit is really dragging him down in this situation um and that should surprise no one and i don't anticipate that changing in the future Mm -hmm. uh number eight uh, uh number eight is scott um also another man who cannot control his life or space or anything really Um, in the world of the show in the world of the show um and um yeah he's not as bad as rob but because he he has a little more control over his role on the show exactly yeah and he's profiting from his appearances and may even have collaborated, obviously, on his on the way he wants to be perceived as a villain. So Yeah. And then coming in above Scott is Kendall, who's giving us a little more energy than we're used to seeing with her mm-hmm. on the show. She's really moving a couple of plots along. I don't know if her and Kylie have traded off, like, who's going to do the heavy lifting this season. But, you know, she's putting in her hours. She's putting in work. And I appreciate seeing that effort from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming above Kendall is Chris. Um, Chris, I guess Chris is, I don't know, kind of lukewarm to me with all of the Caitlyn stuff. Like, she's trying, but she could do a better job in trying to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess we don't see much of Chris in the recent episode. Mm Um, so yeah, her... It doesn't seem like she's establishing too much kind of power. She's kind of just waiting. Yeah. Uh, Coming in above Chris is Caitlin, who kind of subconsciously or unintentionally continues to exhibit power over Chris with the release of her memoir. Um, And for her to come out on top of Chris, I think, is a huge triumph for Caitlin, considering the way that she's been portrayed on the show over the past 13 seasons. But at the same time, Caitlin is just so desperate for someone to hang out with her. Um, And that's just her perennial storyline. Someone Mm -hmm. come visit Caitlin in Malibu. Literally (laughs) anyone. (laughs) Coming above Caitlin is Kylie. Um, And I think, though Kylie is is not present... Um, in a very Deridian way. Um, her absence is still very much controlling of the players at hand. So mostly Caitlin and Kendall's relationship. As well as Rob. As well as Rob's. And, um, and yeah, and Kylie's brand kind of exceeds herself um, as well. And so, as I said, like, maybe Caitlin wants to hang out with Kylie because she has a different following than Kendall's. For sure. Cracking the top three, we have Chloe Kardashian, no longer Chloe Kardashian, or no longer Chloe Odom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chloe sets us off on the Xbox storyline, which is a fine, you know, kind of construction. She's not super present in the second episode, but she does have a little combo with Courtney um, at her house to kind of discuss the fact that Courtney literally doesn't care about whatever's going on with Scott. So, you know, she's um, she's using her executive producer credit, I would say. Um, coming above Chloe is Kim. Um, yeah, so Kim obviously is trying to, um, to come back into the limelight, reinvent herself, um, you know, not be, uh, I guess, stifled by 
by the things that that have happened in Paris and she wants to control her life again but at the same time as we see in the last episode it's at the expense of another woman's safety and uh, vulnerability Mm -hmm. and so that's why yeah that's why she's not number one to us this week but sliding into that number one spot is Kourtney Kardashian who does not care she doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. <laughs> she has, like, a couple of feelings about Rob, and I think that she, her weighing in on the season two of Rob in China is really interesting because of her relationship with Scott on the show, but she's not driving that. She doesn't care. She's not letting herself be dragged down by Rob's um, un- instability. Um, and while Scott is having a meltdown in Dubai, Courtney's just hanging out with her boy toy, you mm-hmm. know? Um And I think, you know, among all of these storylines, she really comes out on top for her removal from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Courtney is our winner. (laughs) (laughs) Number one in power rankings this week. I'd love to see her continue to do a strong showing in the coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. Because I love Courtney. Yeah. Um, but that is it for us for now. Uh, if you want to stay in touch and keep up to date with the K-Hole, you can follow us on Twitter at the K-Hole Podcast as well as on Facebook. Don't forget to um, leave us a review on iTunes if you've enjoyed the show so other uh, Keeping Up With The Kardashians fans can find us. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashley Brandt. My account is locked right now, but you can uh, request to follow me and I will approve you. <laughs> Uh, joining me this week was Sandra DeAnda. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and isn't there a new episode tonight? There is. So yes. we'll be back next yeah. week in some form. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, sure. Um, my Instagram. It's called Go Back to France. Not you, Kim. <laughs> but that's what it's called. Go Back to France. Um, and then my Twitter is so- sands of times so it's not sand but sans uh because i misspelled sand (laughs) so yeah do you want to spell that it's s-a-n-s and then of times yeah i just misspelled sand you know you could change i know i know i could i just haven't sans of times (laughs) yeah okay and um sandra do you remember how we end uh the show This has been the cable. Don't be fucking rude.